Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Charlie, we have had so many wonderful storytellers on these podcasts, uh, and today is certainly no exception. Uh, one of my favorite players, he joined the Admirals 12, 13 years ago, 2000, at the beginning of the 2008-2009 season, after he was acquired in trade with Philadelphia. And uh, really, really, I, I, I want to say made Milwaukee his home. Uh, he's made Grand Rapids his home because he's played there as well and won a championship with the Griffins. But when he was in Milwaukee, he was here and part of the community and and uh, enjoying what Milwaukee had to offer. Uh, without further ado, we uh, welcome in Tristan Grant. Tristan, great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time. How's everything going? Very good, Aaron. Thanks for uh, inviting me on along here. It's always a good time to kind of gather up and uh, talk about you know old time hockey and such. So uh, very excited old time hockey. We've had a few guys uh, that you, you were tight with. And I, I think about when you joined the club, um, it was, it, you were there, it was Scott Ford. It was Nolan Yonkman. It was Hugh Jessamine. And I always have the four of you guys together in a group. And I think that's just wonderful. That's a lot of meat and meat and potatoes, <laughs> meat and potatoes right there. Yeah. Those are four, those are four very large human beings of all statures and builds. So, uh, Positives always attract each other, right? So, yeah, I yeah. mean, you, if you want to sort of talk about old time hockey, look at those four guys, especially three of you. Like, that's that's it, doesn't get much more old time hockey than going back to the mid 80s. Oh, yeah, uh, just a bunch of faces only mothers could love, and just uh, <laughs> just like a stable of uh, stallions and horses. Is that was, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much who are you not counting there, Charlie? Yeah. I was thinking Hugh is, uh, you know, Hugh's a he's a He's a first round pick. He's a pretty boy, right? Uh, Dartmouth kid, although boy. Ford was a brown guy, but uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I was being nice. I don't know if Huey would like being called a pretty boy. Would you? <laughs> would he? No, pr- probably not. No. But uh, no, it, was, it was good to hear. It was good to uh, receive his email on that um, about the the fortunate. Uh, plane landing that we had that he sent that email there. I haven't uh, seen his, seen his uh, name in a while. So it's always good to kind of catch up with those guys. So uh, Tristan, let's go back and talk a little bit about uh, just to start, you got playing hockey. You grew up in in Nipawa, Manitoba, (laughs) uh, played uh, juniors and end up, end up in the WHL. That's the, that's the goal of every kid who's growing up in Manitoba, right? To play even probably besides even, excuse me, before the NHL, probably the goal is to play in the WHL, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we have, we, we did, and we still have a, a junior A club in my hometown. In Nipawa, uh, yeah. Yeah, in Nipawa, yeah. Um, they were, they were called the, the Nipawa Natives, but um, because of just where we are today in society, they're changing the name. But uh, growing up, you know, my uncle played for the, for the junior A team in town. Um, it was just, it was this, yeah, like we're going to say it a lot today, but it's, uh, you know, it's this old time junior hockey, like Dean Youngblood and <laughs> slap shot and stuff like that. It was, it was just like, Hey, you know, at, at the time my goal was like, Hey, I want to grow up and play for the Nipa natives sometime and be a hometown hero. And you uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. I, 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 I did. Yeah, I did. I, um, I was, I kind of, I think after I was about 10 or 11, I kind of started to uh, rapidly kind of s- separate myself uh, from the guys I grew up with. You know, I just had a blast 
playing minor hockey. All my friends back home are still there. So um, um, I was just really fortunate to get better. And the, the goals and dreams kind of started getting higher and higher. And um, this kind of kept advancing. So you, you so, end up playing, you end up you get playing for Lethbridge. Uh, were you drafted? Where were you drafted in the, in the Western draft? Or were you yeah, I was, I was drafted by the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Um, I tried out for the team as a 16 year old and then I got cut. So that's when I went back. I went Nipah. back and yeah, I went back to Nipa, took the, the drive of shame 12 hours back to Manitoba. I remember oh. I was, it was a pretty emotional uh, ride home. And, uh, but I went back and I went back and played a uh, A midget for a few weeks. I, f- I wasn't having fun. I wasn't kind of finding the, the, the challenge in it. And then I, that's when I decided to go play as a 16 year old in the, the Manitoba junior hockey league. And then, but then eventually you do play for, for Lethbridge that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I played, I played probably, I got a call up sometime in January, I believe it was. Okay. Um, Les, Lesbridge was in town to play the Brandon Weekings, which is 45 minutes, you know, um, southeast where I'm from. Um, so yeah, I got I got called up and played a game. I had a I had a great fight with uh, a future teammate of mine, a uh, Wade Skolney. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, I think a week later, I was I was in Lesbridge uh, permanently, and I think I scored my second WHL game was on my birthday, February 2nd. I, and I recall I scored that night as well, my first WHL goal that night as well. So, uh, and that was, that was kind of the beginning of my uh, Western Hockey League career. Yeah, and then uh, you brought in, when you played for us, you brought in a, a tape of fights from when you were in juniors. And I don't know if, if some of them were from Lethbridge, some of them were from Vancouver. It was an absolute, like there was no, there was nothing technical about this fighting, right? <laughs> it was just like you throw it on the gloves and you start punching and you get punched, but you're not blocking anything. You're not worrying about the other guy. You're just trying to punch him. Uh, talk about that process as, as a kid going through that. And, and uh, you know, 16, 17 year olds, obviously you're, you know, you probably had fought before then, but uh, if you're 16 or 17 year old fighting a guy, a guy who's a man, 20, maybe even 21, that's a big, that's, that's pretty intimidating. I still have like, I know what that, that tape you're talking about. I still have it. I probably haven't watched it probably since then. Um, even like when I watch my fights now, um, they're kind of cringeworthy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, are they're you just like the fights that when you were in juniors or the fights, like when you were like, playing all, like all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I think this at that age, there's just absolutely no fear uh, yeah. as, a, as a teenager, kind of just like pumping with testosterone and uh, and you had still the, not, the, you, and still you not had having the, your brain fully developed to even know any better, <laughs> which, I'm still, which I'm still working on at, as we speak right now. <laughs> yeah, right. And you had this major flow too, right? This wasn't any short, short hair. Your, your hair oh, was... Yeah. I, mean, I, I looked I looked like Vince Neal. That's why I uh, I was a huge Molly Crew fan. I, I had the goatee. I just I don't know. It's, it's this you know like when I saw 
saw pictures of my dad or my mom when like they're in high school you're like man like, what what were you thinking and then now I look back now I was just like now I'm gonna have my my daughter's gonna say the same thing to me it's just like what was wrong with you <laughs> yeah but you had you had the Vince Neil you say and then you had the Fu Manchu to, to crunch some cheese crackers yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh gosh that <laughs> that was a great I mean we're skip around a little bit but one of my favorite uh, favorite videos we ever filmed was you and Fordo doing the Merck's cheese uh, promo where like you slap, I mean, you took, a, I think it was a hamburger, maybe it was a brat and put about half of a tin, <laughs> uh, half a carton of Merck's cheese on this thing and just mowed it, right? Just, I'm, and I looked at it like, that's like, you're gonna, he might have a heart attack right here, right now, <laughs> having that Merck's cheese. It's 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 hard not to go a week or a couple of weeks without someone sending me that video. Really? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And every time I get get with Fordo, like you know, we're always meeting new people. You know how social social he is. And uh, I was I was actually in Milwaukee. Oh man, it was probably like a, a two three weeks ago. I came in just for a visit and just kind of get a, get out of Grand Michigan. Um, so. Uh, you know, we went out and we, we had some, a good time and met some new people. And that's, uh, you know, the, the, our fight that we had against each other. And also that uh, the Merck's cheese commercial that always, always is presented as, <laughs> and it always, people just love it. They're just like, holy, like, what is wrong with you guys? And that's some, that was some serious gold uh, acting going on there for sure. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I remember when it played on the, on the big screen during the game. And I remember uh, we're playing, I forget, I think we're playing Houston. And Mitch Love, he was yep. he was howling. He was losing it on the bench. He's just like kissing <laughs> tears, and has, that's what, those are the parts I definitely miss of playing is is doing those things and just having fun with the guys and just kind of doing something. You know, there's more than just just playing hockey. You know, there's a lot of fun fun that goes on to it. A lot of people that share the same passions, guys like you and you and Aaron, that uh, are just trying to promote the game and and the. the the large uh, number of characters that come with it as well. So let's go back to juniors and, and uh, you played for Dean Evison there, right? I did. Yeah, I did. I had um, my first coach was Brian Maxwell. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was, that was my first coach. And this is like a cliche, like Western hockey coach. Is that, was that in Lethbridge or where was that? That was in, that was in Lethbridge. Okay. That was in Lethbridge and, uh, just had this smoky coffee, <laughs> raspy voice, and uh, was this as a sixteen as a sixteen year old it was really intimidating. You know, we were, you know, we were stopping the bus in the middle of the Saskatchewan for him to get off and uh, have a cigarette, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this is That's what old he, school. This, oh, it That's is. Yeah, absolutely for sure. And uh, yeah, so then I had him, and I had. Um, uh, Dean came in um, the year at the, I guess the full season I was in Vancouver and um, yeah, he was great. I was, yeah, he was, I had a lot of good coaches when I was in junior hockey. What's it, what's it like being traded though when you're 17 years old? Cause I'm sure it, it's bad <laughs> enough. It's tough enough to leave home to go play hockey, but then you get traded somewhere where you didn't sign up to be. Right, you you go far oh. from home, and then you go as far as possible from home. Oh yeah, that, yeah, absolutely for sure. It was I was I was in tears. I was I was just like I was a like crippled. I was just like, 
I was just like, I'm just gonna go back to Manitoba. Like, right, right, <laughs> like my 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 life is over. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember. So I had a really good friend. His name was Warren McCutcheon. Uh, he was also a Manitoba native. He was from uh, Car. He's from Carmen. He's a big time farmer now. But uh, so we we hung out a lot in, in Lethbridge, and um, he I was hanging out. He was hanging out hanging out at my builds place. And the phone rang and there was an assistant coach. He was looking for, for Warren. So then Warren looks at me and he's like, yeah, I'm getting traded for sure. And I was, and I was just like shattered because Warren was such a good friend of mine. So then uh, two seconds later, the phone rings again. He's just like, Hey, Warren, bring Tristan with you as well <laughs> to, to the rink, to the rink. So we, uh, I was, I was like in, in disbelief, you know, like um, then we more or less kind of, we went to the rink. We had our meetings. We were getting traded to Vancouver. Um, then the plane was leaving from Lethbridge to Calgary, like in you know nine a.m. or something like that. And that was the first time I flew as well. So wow. it was the first. It was a first of many. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Absolutely. And it wasn't just like it wasn't like a you know like a jet. It was like a, a I think it was like a six seater. <laughs> wow. Were <laughs> you? Do your billets take you then? Or, I mean, who takes care of getting you from point A to point B here? Because, I mean, it's one thing if you're a 28-year-old man. It's a completely other thing when you're a minor. Yeah, I don't I don't even recall that. Who dropped us off? Um, who picks yeah, you up? Where do you live? Right? Like, I mean. Yeah, it was just, it was so bizarre. Know. Like, you know, going as, just having this, like, this massive comfort zone that I worked towards too, then this heavily totally like ripped out and like, all right, here we go. And it was, it was, this is a bizarre situation. It was, it was a crazy kind of like uh, uh, life experience for sure. So, so you play for Dean in Vancouver and just, what's the, what was the difference? What was Dean like back then? Cause then obviously you played for him, you know, 10 years 15, later yeah. and 15 years later. So what were the differences between Dean as a junior coach and a younger guy? And then you get Dean after he's been in the NHL and it's back as a head coach though. Uh, I don't want to say too much. He was, he's always been just kind of like a workaholic, like play hard, you know, work hard, play hard kind of attitude. And I don't think he's really slowed down since, since like the last time I saw him or even spoke to him, um, he was, he's just like kind of like a true professional and he was just always a, a great guy. He was, he was, he was brutally honest to me when I was 18 and he was, he was just the same brutally honest guy when, when I played for him, uh, you know, I think it was 2015. So uh, he is, he definitely goes like, you know, probably, goes against like lane i think the, the two best coaches i've had are, are definitely been under uh you know playing playing as an admiral so very very blessed to have dean in 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 my playing career and uh just a great overall you know human while you're playing for dean in vancouver that's when you get drafted uh ninth round 286th overall yeah did you know that do you remember 200 is this 286 stick in your head oh yeah does it? Yeah. So there was one, two, three, four, five players selected after you. Yeah. 
in the draft. Did you mm-hmm. think you would be drafted? I mean, how, and, and this was a little later too. You were draft eligible a couple of times before, right? Yeah, this is kind of a weird, I, um, I think as an 18 or 19 year old, I went to the Vancouver Canucks rookie camp. Okay. Uh, as I had just as a free agent. So uh, I recall they had, uh, they had about 40, 42 kids come in. Um, still junior age kids. I think there were some, maybe some pros as well, but anyways, I knew they were only taking 20. They're only taking half to uh, main camp, which was in, I, I want to say like Vernon, BC or somewhere in that area. Um, and I'm just remember I worked my butt off all summer just kind of get in the best shape because I had a lot of body. Uh, I had a lot of baby fat on me still at the time. And uh, my trainer, uh, Toledo Robinson, we ran a lot of stairs in the Pacific Coliseum that year. Um, but I was fortunate enough. I had, I just had a great rookie camp. Um, I had some great fights. I had some great hits at the time. Mark Crawford was the coach of the, of the Canucks and he yeah. personally, you know, came up to me and, you know, gave me some, some positive influence. And, uh, then I made it to, to main camp in, uh, in, um, with the, with the big boys and everything. And I remember I had a couple practices and then I ended up playing in the inner squad game and I was the left winger for the Sedin twins. Oh my. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How's that for pinching yourself? I know. That's why I played with uh, on, on my line. So it's, uh, I was feeling really good about like where my career was heading at that time. And uh, I was really excited. Um, yeah, it was at that time. It was almost like felt like I did. I was playing in the NHL. You know, I, you know, I'm sharing ice with you know guys like Todd Pertuzzi, and I was a huge Naslin fan growing up as well. When he was playing for the Canucks and Brad May and Darren Langdon, um, just just like a lot of good players. And uh, unfortunately, just uh, we we couldn't. Um, it just it didn't work out, and but you know I end up getting getting drafted. I kind of just carried on that motiv motivation and momentum that I had with Canucks camp, and it definitely helped me uh, put myself in a good decision uh, position to get drafted the following year. Your Darren Langdon reference is phenomenal because he had one assist in forty five games in the o two o three season with that team. So that's <laughs> amazing that he's the one you point out. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, so when you're on a line with the Sedins and you have a good camp and all of that, do you think, man, I'm made, this is it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like I, I thought for sure I was going to sign. Um, Brian Burke was, the, was the GM at the time. I had a really good closing meeting with, with him and, uh, Mark Crawford and the, the remainder of the class. And he said like, Hey, just, we love your game. Like just keep working on your conditioning and, keep playing your, your style. And, um, and he's like, Hey, do you have an agent? Is like, yeah, I have an agent and everything He's like, all right, like we'll get that information before you leave. So I'm just like, Oh man, like this is, this is sweet, man. I'm going to get rid of this shitty Pontiac Sunfire and I'm going to be driving. To Esk- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, Ron DeLorme was a head scout and he lived in Vancouver. So he kind of told me, um, hey, the guys really like you. They don't like your agent. So, Brick, he's not going to do a, a deal with your agent unless you switch. Jeez. So, I was just like, oh, like all right. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So, I think that was the, 
the first of a few agents that I've that I've uh, fired throughout my career and everything. So um, that was, I think, you know, that's that's what I think would happen. I think that's what truthfully happened. I, I, I uh, you know, maybe maybe at the end of the day they weren't that interested, but um, that's kind of just what what the story is with that. I guess. Wow, it's 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 funny though. I mean, we talk so much about the politics of the game, right? And first rounders are going to get first crack no matter how good the undrafted guy is and all of this stuff. But it, it's, it's funny how hockey isn't hockey. Hockey is that, well, you got traded there not long before. Is that when you kind of figure out it's all a business? Oh man, it, it, uh, it, it took me longer than I wanted to, I like to admit like how long, it, I mean, how much of a business it is and how much politics it is and uh i think when i really really started to figure that out and, and <laughs> realize the reality of it i think i kind of it started to kind of turn me off from hockey for a while um i accept it now more than anything right but yeah I, that was you know looking back now like even in certain situations and just uh you know, certain deals is like, yeah, this is, uh, yep, it, this is a business and people are just trying to win and compete and try to make money. And that's really all it comes down to. I think you told me, and I've told this story to a few people and I, and I, I may be paraphrasing, but I think you're the one who told me that you get drafted and you get your signing bonus. And I think you said the first thing you did was buy a truck. And the second thing you did was buy a bike because you couldn't afford the gas for the truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought I bought this truck. Uh, I think it was after my second year pro because I, I managed to. I was fortunate enough to play some games with the Flyers that year, so I, uh, you know, I had a little bit of extra money in my pocket. And uh, yeah, I think at the time gas in Canada was a dollar dollar fifty liters. So that's close to six dollars a gallon. Right. Um, wow. U.S. So I was just like, yeah, I think I think two weeks later I, I went and bought a pedal bike and I was just like, I don't really need to go ride my bike around town. <laughs> so, I mean, my drive my truck around town. I was like, going to ride my bike. So <laughs> you turned pro in 0506 on a pretty I mean, you, the, the year before the Phantoms were the Calder Cup champions. And obviously that was the year that was the lockout year, probably the one of the most talented, if not the most talented season in AHL history. So you're playing for a really good team as a, as a rookie. Uh, talk to talk, take us through your training camp in Philly and then going down and starting your pro career right across the street in the old spectrum, which, uh, you know, like didn't even have a video board in it. Right? No, <laughs> no. Well, it was actually kind of weird. After I finished my junior career, I, uh, I remember Paul Holmgren actually, he called me and he wanted me to come down and, uh, be a black ace for the fandoms when they're when the playoff run. And right. I think they're only, I think they're pretty fresh at that time um, in the, in the playoffs. So, you know, they weren't, right. it wasn't in the finals. So I, but I, I declined cause I was unsigned at the time. Okay. Um, I was, I kind of just finished like a, a very physically demanding junior career. And I just wasn't, I wasn't there mentally or even like even close to me physically going out there unsigned. I thought it was, it wasn't a good decision if I wanted to get signed because I just wasn't at hundred percent. I knew this is a free opportunity for them to kind of take a look at me, whether they wanted to sign me or not. So I, that's probably one of the better decisions I made during my, my career was just kind of opting out. Cause I knew, I knew my body and knew my mind that it wasn't ready to, to go do that. So, um, Fortunately enough, we got a deal done later that year. 
And in the reality, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into <laughs> to being a pro, you know, you didn't want to, you didn't know what kind of like physical shape you had to be in, uh, you know, being in junior hockey, like I was a top dog, like I was a, I was an apex predator, you know, right. then, then you go into pro and, and you learn quickly, um, that you're just a bottom feeder again. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that's um, a, that too is in a time when the AHL is like, that's when, you know, Brian McGratton is, is, is all over the place and Dennis Bonvi and like all those guys, like some of the big Peter Vandermeer, some of the big time bruisers. Look at the team here, all between 21 and 23 years old, Riley Cote, Tristan, Wade Skolny was 24, uh, Ben Eager and Josh Gratton all on the same team, all between 21 and 20. So you got five <laughs> guys, five guys. there basically fighting for the same job. It would seem. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Between the five of us, there's probably about 200 IQ points, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just yeah, like, I don't know. Like, and yeah, oh, I know. Like, um, you know, that's a, that's a topic that comes up a lot, a lot of times too, you know, that was such, it was just so, I remember my first professional game in Wilkesbury and there was like almost a bench clearing brawl, like uh, a brawl on the ice and warmups. And I was just like, first game of the year. Is- First, first professional game, first professional game. And I was just like, my Lord, like, luckily, like I had a, I was, I was pretty full of piss and vinegar and arrogance and, and confidence. So I was just, I was kind of like, we're all kind of chopping at the bed, whether it was me or Riley or Josh or Ben Eager, man, we were just trying to, we were just like just fuming with, with testosterone and just like, I remember Josh Grant and he says, all right, you're going to fight this guy and I'm going to fight this guy. Then you're going to fight this guy. And it was just, that's what it was. And it was just absolutely mayhem. It was like hardcore wrestling. Just like, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh, and that's kind of how I spent it. Uh, it's obviously slowed down towards the end of my career, but that was kind of like the first like couple seasons in my professional you know, career being in that division with Philadelphia because you had, you had Binghamton, Norfolk, um, Hershey, and they all had the same roster as we did. Right, just different names. I talked to guys. I remember, you know, when Jeff Jeff Peters played with us, he's just like, "Oh man, like I did not like going in riding the bus because the Spectrum was one of the last arenas that you could still drive the bus underneath." Right. Come in and it was so dark and there's like rats running around everywhere. It was like, you're, you're like going into the gates of hell. Like, and it was such a, there's, there's like so much blood in that, in the spectrum. <laughs> you could still smell it. And it was just intimidating factor knowing that there was a team to, to back up the, the morale that was going on in the arena at the same time. So the, the ghosts, the ghosts of Dave Schultz and the ghost, you know, players like that, right. Of, of toothless Bobby Clark taking your knees out. And I mean, just all of these things that, that play into that environment and to actually be, you know, you're kind of the new broad street bullies. Yeah, absolutely. And it was something that we all just adapted and and it fits so natural at the time. It's just like, all right, you know, we're the next generation of the Philadelphia Flyers. Like everyone, when everyone thinks the Flyers, they're not thinking, 
they're not thinking like early night. I don't know. They're thinking maybe like some of them are thinking like Lindros area, you know, Alicia Dude. Yeah. It's, it's always going back to like Bobby Clark and and Toothless Grin when he lifts up the Stanley Cup. And it's just like that's the that's the the deep down tradition of of the Flyers. Yeah. Right. Fred Shiro, right? The mist and yeah exactly fog the fog yeah do you do you do they when you go into a place like that i mean do you do you understand do you know do you know the the history of that building and all of that or is that something that it's like you said you all embrace this persona but it kind of seems like philadelphia was forcing this persona or wanted this persona on everybody right and maybe every hockey team does yeah it was just like it was just a culture you know you come in and you come to the rink and uh you see the fans, like they're all like South Philly, blue collar, like hard nosed people, man. And it's just like, uh, they love their sports. You love their sports and you don't want to be on the receiving end of, of, of being like a bum or something that lets down, you know, lets down the team. So it was, it was something that you had to learn about quickly. And yeah, growing up, uh, you know, my era, like obviously like the Lindros era was what I grew up watching as a Flyers, but, you know, I, I knew enough about, you know, the history of hockey and, and definitely the Flyers that, uh, you know, I knew, I knew the games with uh, against the Russian army and all those kind of like amazing stories. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to be a part of that. Was that you as a kid? Did you just devour all of this stuff? Did you collect cards? Did you, I mean, what, uh, hockey, uh, what, what role did hockey play with you when you were five, six, I seven? Say, um, I don't think it, I was totally obsessed. I remember collecting cards. I remember playing a lot of street hockey with my friends. Um, there wasn't honestly like a lot of skating, like on ponds and rivers and stuff like that, because they're just, ice was rarely available uh, like a lot. And, yeah. uh, um, I think this everyone I grew up with also we we also like golf and snowmobiling and just kind of being outside snowball fights so it wasn't 100% like hockey obsessed until I got like you know I became a teenager then that's when it was like I was I if I wasn't playing hockey on the ice or on the street or in the barn or anything else I was just playing like uh, I was playing on, on Nintendo or Super Nintendo or Sega or something like that and you know, uh, I was watching, you know, Hockey Night in Canada every, every, every Saturday with my grandpa. So it was, uh, it was definitely uh, something that just wasn't, I don't think I was like automatically attracted to. It was just kind of like a Canadian culture that we're all kind of born into and we either have a choice whether we want to be a part of it or not. And uh, for me, for me, I just developed a, a great love for it. Yeah. Next year in Philadelphia, you, you get a call up, you get, you're, you're going up to the NHL. What uh, take us through how, how you found out? Who told you? Did your did they fly your parents in? Nowadays, it's written in guys' contracts. If you make it to the NHL, we fly your parents in. My guess is that for a, a you know a guy maybe drafted in the ninth round, you just signed. Uh, uh, you didn't have those uh, have those perks in there. But uh, tell us about your uh, your debut in the NHL. Uh, remember that year that that first off season? I stayed in Philadelphia. I roommate with Riley Cote. And yeah, we worked our butts off that year. And um, I never really, I got in really good shape. I had a good, uh, a really good camp. I don't even think I played an exhibition game with the Flyers that year or not. I don't think I did. Um, 
that was a kind of a strange time that there was a lot of pressure for the Flyers to win. So I think right away, having the Phantoms and the, and the Flyers at the same practice facility in Voorhees, New Jersey, um, you know, we started our kind of AHL camp and the Flyers was kind of just picking guys up and down. So that's kind of what happened with me. It was only really a couple couple games into the regular season and then Paul Holmgren came down and um, he told me I was I was going to practice and I was going to play um, against uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Atlanta still had a team. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was – all I really had to do, I didn't have to get on a plane or anything. I really just had to carry my, <laughs> my, my, I didn't even have to carry my gear. I had to walk 20 feet to the other side of the doors. Right. And I was called up to the NHL and it was, it, so it was kind of bizarre like that. It was, it was just like, it was like, all right, I get told. And then two minutes later, you know, I'm putting a flyers sweater on and I'm going to practice. So, uh, did you, yeah, was it that was, day? So you were told the day of, or did you have an a day, extra day or? I went, I, no, I went, I went, no, I think I, I practiced, I practiced with the Flyers that morning. And I believe maybe I played, I think I played two days after that. I think it was, it. so that gave, that gave time for my parents to fly in. And also my, my uncle flew in as well. So it was a pretty, so they were, uh, they were able to make it down, uh, how, how far is how do you get from Nipawa to, to <clears> Philadelphia <throat> through through Manitoba, <laughs> Minneapolis? I assume. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we got to go into Winnipeg, which is you know a two and a half hour drive. Yep. Um, then usually have to fly into Minneapolis. Um, then probably straight into straight into Philadelphia from there. So. Um, but that's awesome that they were able to make it be there for to see you make your NHL debut. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just crazy. My, after the game, my dad was like, how nervous were you? He was like, I was pretty nervous. I can tell you, you took like, you drank like half the water bottle before, <laughs> before the puck was even dropped. So <laughs> little, no, it was, little cotton mouth. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember like my first shifts or anything kind of like that. I remember ironically, I played my first, NHL game against the other guy that played in the NHL from my hometown, Shane Knighty. Oh, oh sure. So, um, yeah, the two guys from Nepal, Manitoba are playing against each other, which was, was a pretty, pretty neat little kind of tidbit to that. That's the kind of the, when they say, when they say, um, you know, when the high school team is gone, that's the time to rob the town, right? Yeah. So <laughs> are playing, everybody's watching TV. Let's go rob the, rob the houses. Yeah. <laughs> Burgle. Uh, so, after you, you, your time at Philly, then you get traded again. And I don't know if it was contract nego- it, I mean, it wasn't that necessarily, but if, if your contract was up coincidentally and you had to sign with Nashville or when you got traded, I mean, what to, to Nashville, what kind of uh, uproar does that cause, if any? Yeah. I remember like that was the end of my entry level contract. So okay. that was, yeah. You had to sign uh, a new deal and now with new people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I forget. I guess I got traded. I think I got traded just like maybe like a week before, or only maybe a few days before free agency. It was so, pretty. Late. It was fairly late. Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. So because so yeah, I was just working out. There was a gym obviously at the at this at the practice facility. Then um, 
I forget. I think Jim McCross and pull me, pull me aside and say, Hey, um, you know, Barry, um, I forget his last name, but he was, he's who I saw. So then he told me and I was just like, all right. Like, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> I was just like, kind of like, you know, you never, I wasn't asking for a trade, you know, it was, it was kind of like the same situation when I was in Lethbridge. I was just like, all right, like I'm kind of comfortable and, um, you know, this is kind of what I do right now. And, uh, you know, I, I learned later in life that being comfortable <laughs> wasn't, wasn't always a good thing. But, uh, yeah, then I, I remember talking to Paul. Paul Fenton called me about, you know, 10 minutes later. I had a conversation with him. And, uh, um, you know, I think the next day I was on the plane on my way to, uh, like, a development camp or something like that wow. in, in, in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and if you know, you talk about the group you had at Grattan and guys fighting for the job. I think one of the first times I heard about you uh, playing was was in Nashville in training camp, where I think it, it, it seems silly to people when players fight their teammates in training camp. But I, if I'm not mistaken, you had to go with Nick Tarnaski, maybe Grattan too, because he was with Nashville now. Um, Wade Belak would have been there. I mean, they're there again. A lot of guys fighting for the same job. Yeah, we did. I don't remember having any fights at uh, training camps like that. Okay. Um, I remember like kind of Riley and I kind of growling back and forth to each other a couple times. And that was kind of just kind of a strange situation, too, because we we're roommates. But um, um, yeah, at the end of the day, like there was there was definitely like an overflow of of kind of like the same players and uh but there's at the same time you're also good friends and um right you know you have a lot of respect for each other as well so i, um, I want to I jump ahead on that because charlie mentioned this before about and and we you touched on it a little bit too about having to drop the gloves with with scott ford um and the the relationship that you guys had developed and now here you are center stage on opposing teams and you have to do what you have to do yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was just kind of I've I've actually got, I got in a fight with uh, Yonks too when I was in Oklahoma City as well. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, you know when you just play on the edge and you got to play that physical style game and there's just so much emotion, there's so much on the on on the line. Um, Scott didn't take exception to dirty classic. Tristan Grant slew foot into the boards. So. <laughs> and I don't blame him. And I don't blame him. You know, like I was, I was pretty good. Like at that, like I was, I've had time, you know, the last couple of years to kind of like, you know, kind of like accepted and like, yeah, like I was kind of dirty. I was, that, I think that's why I like Peter Forsberg so much. Cause he was such a, like a, uh, cheapskate artist. And I kind of, I definitely kind of adopted that. I did a lot of dirty things uh, at that time. And, uh, and uh, Scott was just another one of those guys that took exception and, and, and made it clear that he did not appreciate what I, what I was trying to do with him. So, <laughs> but then you go, you guys, you, you do whatever you do. And this is in, you're in Grand Rapids. Scott's playing for Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, and you, you got, you do what you do. And then you go to the penalty box and you look down at the other guy, a guy you've been out, you know, who you played with, who your buddies with, who you, you know, are still friends with. And you guys are just like, well, that's pretty funny. And you start giggling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, that's a prime example of like how, how hockey separates, you know, from the other sports. Cause there's not really, <laughs> 
there's so many times there's a, there's a lot of guys have been been like in fights with you know their brothers and it's just like that's just the shows the kind of character and just like the how how big of hearts that hockey players have and it's just it's really strictly just it's just competing that's all it really comes down to is just competing and, and trying to challenge each other to be better and that was just another that was just another example when Scott and I did it and we laughed about it and I'm sure we had a couple beers about it too to uh, make sure there's no hard feelings so but I remember I was in the pie box and I was definitely readjusting my nose and uh I it, it definitely reminded me how, how strong scott was <laughs> yeah. okay. Thank you. It was like, oh go ahead it was just i was like it was like, it was like wrestling a grizzly bear <laughs> well right. if Gordo's a grizzly bear what's yonkman oh that's man that's like a this a the massive mountain lion of a man <laughs> right with the just longest like, arms like, ever yeah too. Absolutely. Just like long and lean and just like, yeah, just a, a giant genetic freak. <laughs> we Tristan uh, got back to me real quickly, uh, not long ago. We're coming up, and I've said this to Charlie, but um, January of 2009, the Admirals were on an airplane going to San Antonio to play a game. It was, And the team had played at home the night before, and uh, while connecting or after connecting through Memphis, uh, the plane blew an engine and a lot of people panicked. But I'm just looking at the calendar from that, Tristan. Um, the Listen to this schedule. The Admirals played at home on the 26th at Chicago the 27th, hosted uh, of December. Played December 29th, 30th, and 31st, January 2nd, January 3rd. So you have that stretch of like seven games in nine days. And then a couple days off. And then Toronto at home on January 8th. The flight happens January 9th. Uh, The game goes on in San Antonio January 9th. There's a game January 10th. Fly to Winnipeg, play January 13th, and that's the night, Tristan, that you took a shot in the jaw. Mm. That's a hell of a a two-week stretch. That's that's a crazy start to to the new year, for sure. Wow. I mean, that's... And... and, talking to you and I don't, I didn't remember the stretch before that with all the three and threes. Mm-hmm. I remember basically the, 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 the plane incident, but, and I remember vividly the, the, the shot that you took in the, in the, in the face, but I didn't realize it was on that same trip. I, I know what I didn't know that either. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of like a later in the season, maybe like, uh, maybe like a, in March, and in February, March kind of time going down to Texas, maybe do a like kind of like doing a playoff push kind of an idea. But I didn't I didn't know that it was the same weekend or the same kind of span of <clears throat> when my uh, I blew my jaw off. <clears throat> so <laughs> I mean, um, go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say you, you bust your jaw and I, I don't want to skip over the plane thing. We can we can go back to that in a sec. But you bust your jaw in Manitoba. I've, I got to believe you had. Probably all your family there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a big – that was a big event, you know, because the Jets weren't in town and, um, you know, the Manitoba Moose, you know, they're still obviously a great – a big part of uh, the, the hockey culture in Manitoba. But that was a big – that was a big thing, man, when I was going back into, into Manitoba. It was I like, think, it, I think it, that was the best – I think that was the best trip. And it's still really good now. 
but I think that was the best trip when the Jets were gone because the Moose, it was a, it was an NHL building. You were covered like the NHL media were mm-hmm. there. It was, it was, it's an amazing, it was an, an amazing time to go to Winnipeg. It was great. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it was obviously something I wouldn't have experienced even if I played in the NHL at that, you know, during that time because the Jets weren't there. So that was really kind of my only opportunity to kind of like come back and, and kind of breathe the Manitoba air again. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, people from my hometown used to just gather in, in the busloads and, and, and make a weekend in it and like spend spend like some some really hard earned cash to come in and and support me. It's just something I like I, I really just can't thank enough um, for all those people in, in the the Nipo area. So that was that was always a super exciting uh, time for me. I remember my first professional year with the Phantoms. Um, I don't think it took very long for us to go to Winnipeg. And I remember going in, having a fight. I unfortunately got, I was a scratch the second night, but I definitely had my moment the first time I, um, I went into Winnipeg and once again, like, um, you know, a lot of family and friends and more people than I even knew names that came out to support me. So that was always a, a very special, uh, a time for me. That, that, uh, situation in Winnipeg Max Max Fortunas takes the shot I remember this so vividly it deflects off a stick it hits you in the jaw I I, to this day maintain it's the toughest thing I've ever seen you took your glove off you looked at your mouth you saw there was blood you shook your head and you just skated over to the bench now a couple years ago you informed me that you were more concerned not necessarily that it was your jaw but you were more concerned about something else <laughs> uh my teeth yes <laughs> yes oh so yeah the thing was i had so i'm moving my tongue around my lower jaw i'm like oh well i finally lost a tooth and uh, <laughs> okay, finally because because play a game what's that the way you play yeah i was it was just something you had never yeah. lost a tooth I never lost a tooth. So I remember I moved my tongue around. I was just like, all right, like, oh, I finally lost one. I didn't think it was going to be this one. But then I got, then I kind of kept moving around and more. And I was just like that gap where the tooth was, it wasn't my tooth missing. It was just the bone came separated. Oh and my gosh. Good like quarter inch, like three eighths of a gap, like all the way down into like my, my bottom of my mouth. And, you know, Aggie uh, looked at it on the bench and the look on his face of concern, I was just like, all right, like, this isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) And I could feel, I could feel like my right side of my bottom jaw, like the teeth are inverted, you know, like my, my jaws like sideways. And I was just like, all right, like interesting. I didn't really know what else that was kind of going through my mind. Uh, It was kind of just like, Oh man, like how did this happen? Like in front of all my family and friends and uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The entire town of Nipawa, probably, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> That's real good. And then on top, to add insult to injury, then you end up with some 1950s Sputnik headgear that you have to put on for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, is a big part of Admiral's lore as well. Yeah. <laughs> Admiral's charity lore. 
<laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 I remember just like, ha- I remember just waking up from surgery and I was just like, yeah, my, my jaw doesn't open. And it was just, it was wired shut and it was just, I looked like, oh man, I remember I just had this, this huge like pelican, like gullet of this swellness of going on. And uh, yeah, it was a long, it was a long road of, uh, I think it was like eight, eight, maybe 10 weeks of my jaw wired wired shut. January 13th uh, and you played again on March 11th. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but you know, it was funny. I was, I, I wasn't in the greatest shape that time. So being able, I think like after two weeks of that injury, I think I was back working with Norby and bake skating. And so I could burn all these calories, but the only thing I could really eat was, you know, Campbell's tomato soup. And, you know, like and I remember I went through a couple blenders during that time. And uh, yeah, I tried to probably drink more Pabst Blue Ribbon during that time too, as I would like to admit as well. But, um, you know, I, I had to get my calories in one way or another. Right. There you uh, go. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. So when you come back from a broken jaw like that, though, you got to wear a cage or a bubble. I don't imagine you'd ever done that before. And did that take away? Is it sort of like Samson getting his hair cut a little bit? Like, you know, it takes that, that part of your game, it, it takes it out of it. Right. You know what? Like, I'll, I'll tell you like every, every time, like um, a tough guy that, you know, part of his role is to keep other people honest and stick up for teammates every time a guy's got a, like a cage on or, um, you know, he's got his hand taped up or something like that, the, the peace of mind that you have with yourself, knowing that you, the chances that you're going to have to fight are pretty minimal. You feel like, you feel like you're the fastest skater. You feel like the best player. You're just like mostly, you're just emotionally free from the, the fear of like having to get in an altercation. Sure. So that was kind of like my mindset when I had that thing on. I was just like, I'm going to run around and I'm going to do whatever I want. And <laughs> everyone knows my jaw was broken. So never, no one's going to ask me to fight, you know, expect me to fight. Right. But I actually think I did take it off. I think yes. that's exactly what happened. I, uh, yes. I think I was in, uh, where was it? Was it Rockford? I think I was in Rockford and, and uh, I was just kind of running around, just, you know, playing my game and Jake Dowell, called me out and I said like I'll take it off <laughs> he's like no you won't so then I uh remember taking it taking it off and uh you know end up having a good fight but I, re- I recall Paul Fenton he wasn't really pleased with me after, after the game <laughs> he's just like oh my god I couldn't believe he did that I was just like oh so but uh that was I don't know yeah it was just kind of this how, how it was yeah yeah Let's uh, you go away for a couple of years uh, from Milwaukee, win a championship uh, in Grand Rapids. Um, I love the fact that you're in Oklahoma City for one season. And and, and by the way, Oklahoma City is a great town. I wish there was still the AHL there. But Tristan's picture is on like a four story building uh, <laughs> inside the Civic Center. It's, he's got like seriously like the side of a business building. It, <laughs> It's crazy that they put that up. I know. How weird is that? Oh, it was because I, I didn't go, I didn't go down. Like I was like the last player added to kind of to the roster. Like I didn't go down till like October 1st, second, maybe. Um, 
And they and had guys is, like they probably had Omar, right? Linus Omar, who was phenomenal, and Temu Hardikaya. Yeah. Oh yeah. They probably had all these yeah. guys, right? Yeah. This well, this, this is a just a quick note, or you know, to everyone out there, this is how quickly like your your career can change. Because I remember the following year, I was in Milwaukee. No, I was sorry, I was in Rochester. Yeah. I signed with Florida on July 1st. I was the first guy Florida signed in one full year. It was actually turns out to be like 15 months. So I go from signing July 1st on an NHL deal to like 15 months later um, to like begging teams for a PTO Look, in the American League. That's how quickly looking it, for a job. Happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. So but uh, so I yeah, I found a spot in, in Oklahoma City and um yeah, there was a lot of, it was a veteran team, you know, Brian Helmer was there, uh, Josh Green, Ryan Keller. Mark so Arcabello. Yeah, we had a, I didn't know how good our team was because I remember I didn't go on the first trip. Um, I was still kind of practicing and skating because I mean, you know, I'm back in Nepal, Manitoba skating with the junior A team while everyone else is at NHL camps. Right. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, but I was in the, I was actually in great shape that, that year. I spent the off season in Vancouver training with an old trainer of mine, but uh, yeah. And it just took off. And then I remember I scored two goals in my first game with Oklahoma city. And I kind of just filled in a role that they're desperately needed. And we just had great, great chemistry. And we had an unbelievable team that year. Is that how you end up in, in Grand Rapids again with Todd Nelson? Um, yeah. Yeah. The second time. Yeah. 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 Todd was, Todd was great. I, um, he's actually back in town in Grand Rapids now because his, uh, his daughter is uh, going to school here. So <clears throat> I ran into him a couple, couple weeks ago. Um, no, it's funny because after my, my second year at Grand Rapids, or no, was, I guess that after that year and, um, Milwaukee, uh, Ryan Martin, the assistant GM of Detroit calls me and was kind of asking uh, what kind of guy Todd was. And obviously I had nothing negative to say about Todd. Todd's a great human and, and coach and, and a mentor. And uh, so then, you know, funny thing was, you know, I think it was like less than two weeks later, you know, Todd was calling me and he was asking me to come, come play for him in, in Grand Rapids. So um, that kind of, that kind of story falls behind, you know, the, the, you know, some of the, po the positive politics stories you, you get. So right. um, that's just kind of how it works. And I was, I was really excited to go back. I was, I was definitely disappointed because I, I really liked playing in Milwaukee, you know, working with you guys, uh, the fan base. Um, it was just something I was really familiar with. And, you know, Dean, Dean was, was really good to me as well. So uh, something that it was, it's a tough decision, but, you know, I was going back to, a city that I won a championship and, and I was going back to a coach I was familiar with and I would do anything for us. So I was, uh, that was a good opportunity for me. That, yeah. that year, that, that 14, 15, your last season in Milwaukee, um, it was a disappointing season and it seems like they, maybe they wanted to make a lot of changes on the ice and, and all of that. Cause a lot of yourself and Mark Van Gilder and a lot of guys that was their last school on. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was their last season in Milwaukee, but, you talk about the highs and lows of a season, the high that season was so great until Valentine's day. And then it just went down and it was just horrible. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember. Didn't we come out of the gates like nine and oh, or something like that, or six and oh, only the first, six and oh, six and yeah, oh. first time in Admiral's history, we'd been six and oh. And then I, I, I remember very well 
I think it was the weekend before Valentine's Day in Rockford. I think we swept a home and home with Rockford. We're in first place, riding high. Uh, and then, like, bam. Like, we, we won three games yeah. the rest of the year. Yeah. And yeah, we had, it, it was tough. Like, they, we had talented players, and that's when Victor Stahlberg came down. And, yeah. It, um, the trade went down right then. And, yeah. So right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really – yeah, it was a really strange season for sure. Cause I remember we just had like this ultimate highs and ultimate lows. Like we win win a bunch of games and lose a bunch of games and this like yeah, I don't yeah, definitely probably one of the more disappointing, you know, uh seasons I've had. You know, I, I did have like some personal like um success. Yeah, statistics. But yes, yeah, yes. like I, I I was kind of liking the game I was playing and the role I was and everything. But uh yeah, this unfortunately just it just wasn't enough to kind of get us in a better spot. But uh I always I, said you can't you can't have good seasons without having bad and that was definitely a learning a learning process for those a lot of those younger guys for sure that uh were on that team and that roster that year. And a lot of those guys have like you know, Victor Arvidsson, Colton Sissons, Kevin Fiala have gone on to have successful NHL careers, but that year uh, just didn't just didn't work out. Uh, I want to I want to go back actually to your first time in Milwaukee because you started to talk about this guy a little bit. But I want to hear your thoughts on playing for Lane Lambert. Uh, Lane is a you know as intense a guy as we've ever met, and but that was that's your game and. Uh, so what was it like for you, a guy who brought the intensity uh, and the physicality to, to play for Lane? Yeah, well, I remember coming into Nashville. Like, I definitely was – I didn't – I had a chip on my shoulder for sure. Like, I, was, I was, wasn't really happy. I was – you kind of felt – you felt a little bit dirty, I guess, when you were traded and you don't – I didn't really feel like – we kind of started out a little bit sour, just kind of like negotiating – the contract and it was just it it didn't get off to a good start for sure and <clears throat> it definitely took a little bit of adjusting um you know finding my my niche with the team and kind of getting to know lane and what his demands and and wants were for me and and, and reversed as well and then uh you know over the span of those couple of years it was definitely i built a really good you know uh relationship with lane and uh you know, I have, I still have a lot of respect for him. So it's, uh, I learned a lot from Lane and, uh, he was, he was good to me. That I was such was, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, say that was such a good team too. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like a, kind of like a similar team that we had, uh, when I played for the Phantoms early in my career, cause we had like, we had a lot of toughness on that team as well. Like we had, because like obviously like Fordo and Yonks and Kelsey Wilson and me, and then we had, you know, Hugh came in. It was just like, there was a lot of big bodies. And that yeah. was kind of, you don't, when you think of that division, you don't really think of it as being like a really, we you know when you played on the East, on the East division or the Eastern conference, that's where you all kind of think like where that, the toughness, the toughness is. But then, Binghamton's and those traditional places. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, like the northern teams, you know, like Portland, yeah, Rochester and, and stuff like that. So then when he came over here, he kind of thought like, oh, it's, I heard it's a little bit different here, but like 
that really wasn't the case because Peoria had tough guys and Rockford and Chicago, like always had tough teams and it was just like kind of the same thing. So, but yeah, we, we were, we we're a pretty well-rounded team. We had some really good goaltending and we said we had some toughness. I thought we were, we we're a really good team that was built for the playoffs. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I think it was Lane who told me this, um, but maybe it wasn't that he, you know, as a coach, he, uh, you, you, you got, there's certain things you can control and you got to get by those things. And, and one of the things you learn about is guys pregame ritual. And like, you can't, these guys are pros. They're getting themselves ready for the game, however they need to play. And so you can't, you can't worry about that. And he, I think I'm pretty sure it was Lane who said to me, he looked over one time at you before a game and you were sleeping in the stall. And maybe that just meant your eyes were closed and your head was slumped against the side. <laughs> But did, did you, is that true? Did you ever sleep or was that just sort of just, you know, you weren't, you weren't rowdy or anything like that. You're just like, like, okay, well, he's just getting ready to go. Yeah. I was <laughs> probably just, you know, when I was really into it, you know, my, I was pretty quiet. I was kind of just, uh, I kind of, at times I kept the, the dress room a little bit loose and joke and definitely filled in that role. Um, but there's other times that, um, um, I just was really quiet and I was just really focused, you know, visualizing, you know, what I had to do on the ice and, uh, just make sure that I was mentally, you know, prepared to, to, to go out and do what I needed to do and for the team to be successful. So, um, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think I was sleeping. <laughs> you weren't sleeping, but you were, it wasn't, uh, you know, there were different ways to get ready for the game for you. No, for sure. Yeah. Like I was, I, I, Early on in my career, I kind of didn't. I stopped playing like the, you know, two Soccer, touch two games. Touch, yeah. I seen I seen too many guys like in their careers. I remember like Stephen Warner in yeah. Milwaukee. <laughs> like he got a concussion. Like, and I seen guys blow like ACLs and never play again from playing that that game. Like it's. Well, um, I'll I'll tell you what. One of my one of my favorite stories actually involves Stephen Warner coming back from a concussion. And we're at the uh, Summerfest. We're going to see the Brewers. And we're at Summerfest and all the boys bring their gloves and we're getting on the bus to go to Miller Park for opening day. And Fordo's there and Werns has his back turned and Fordo airmails it to somebody. Maybe it was you he's playing catch with. And what happens? It hits, it hits the guy with the concussion who's been out for so long right in the melon. And it's like, oh my gosh, Fordo, what you, what's going on? Do you happen to remember that happening? I, 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 I just, I recall that now. I don't know how that happened. That's obviously just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that was really unfortunate for sure. But then at that same Brewer game, Stephen Werner was going up to go to the bathroom, turns around, and a home run ball gets hit to him. It bounces one time, and he catches it with one hand. And I think he threw it back on the field because I think it was a Cubs baseball. Uh, but he 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 like it was so smooth. It was like it was in the movies. Just like. Crowd cheers. He turns around. Ball bounces right in his hand, just like that. Yeah, I, re- I remember that as well. That was funny. Those are always good times. Uh, <laughs> go, go into those baseball games for sure. Yeah. You uh, do you remember Fordo stealing the pizza? Oh yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there. I wasn't there with them, but I remember when he stole that. The pizza. Yeah, but you remember um, the fallout. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember like in the morning. You know, you have a sense, you, you build this six, 
seventh sense, whatever you want to call it as a hockey player, you kind of know, like when you're getting, you know, these feelings, like when you're getting sent down, like when you're getting cut, when you're good, when you're in trouble, when you're going to set out a game, you, you build like this, this energy sensor. So that was definitely one of the things I remember of that morning. It was pretty quiet. And it was just like, Oh man, like what's going on. And, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> Lane's like everyone, you know, meeting, you know, meeting at, you know, nine twenty, whatever it was. I'm like, Oh man. Okay. Like, here we go. So then we're all sitting down and it's pretty quiet. And, and Lane comes in and he's so fired up. He's just like, he can't even like see the words. It's like, I lost night. We had a lack of judgment. And I was just like, oh, my God. I was just like, Oh man, like what happened? Like someone get a right. DUI got arrested. or something like that. And, and then he's just like, well, you know, like, Fordle, what are you just telling it? And then Fordle's just like, try not to laugh. <laughs> not to he's just like, yeah, guys, uh, last night I had a lack of judgment and I, uh, you know, I had a little too many beers and uh, on my way out of the of the Bradley Center, I uh, saw a pizza in the hallway and I grabbed it. <laughs> and we're all just like, what? That's it? <laughs> And we're just like, we're just kind of like, you know, like in the classroom, just like trying not to laugh. And Lane's like, it's not funny, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> which only like, makes it more funny. Get totally de deported from this. <laughs> Brad, Brad Lauer, Brad, Brad Lauer is just like, how do you feel someone ate your pizza after the game? <laughs> but I, uh, hey, I will, I will, I will say that. That was a big was deal to the Bradley Center. Oh, right? like, yeah, I remember. Oh, like, man. Like, they're pulling cameras, and, <laughs> like, the, the CEO of the building uh, is is calling Harris, our owner. And that's – I mean, I think that's why Lane – like, I don't think Lane normally would have taken it so seriously. No. But, like, <laughs> there was a lot of heat from above for Lane. And so he's, like – he's got to have a, a show of force. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, guys, I had a lack of judgment. I took a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I stole the referee's pizza. Yeah, of which it, it was like a, it was a market, wasn't it? Like a market Our basketball market game. game. Yeah. yeah. And you guys, um, gonna, you guys aren't going to be able to use those special that suite anymore. Those special privileges are going to get taken away. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I felt like someone like. I thought someone got in a fight at the bar, arrested, or who yeah. knows why. But like, we're just like. Like guys, are you serious? Yeah, and, and and as I'm sure you know, that has happened, and there have not been the consequences that happened because of a, a pizza. Yeah, <laughs> one of fifteen. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. As That's... we wrap things up, I was I, I have I have two more things. Uh, I was wondering, if, unless Charlie, you want to jump in. No, no, no. This is, if if you would if you would tell me, I've I, this is the greatest story I've ever heard. Your story about going home for a wedding. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing that story, I, I'm going to completely get out of your way. But but I, I think it's just one of the great stories ever told. Well, this was, um, I forget how long ago this was. So I think it must have been in my early yeah it must have been in my early 20s so i came home one i was back in manitoba one summer and i remember this one night um me and my buddies 
we golfed all day and we got a really nice course back in Nipah, 18 holes. And we also were out drinking all day, golfing. So we ended up going to the local watering hole in Nipah. And um, some of my friends back home, they make me look really small. <laughs> so a lot of, <laughs> a lot of big Ukrainian boys and uh, a lot of just like, old school like farm boys and everything so <laughs> we go in this so imagine just a bunch of mutants walking in the bar and you know this all this full and uh i was i was with my i remember i recall my uncle was there too and um anyway so i was playing pool then my one buddy kicked in the door in the bathroom and I hear a commotion, then out of nowhere, you know, a couple seconds later, you hear all this racket and noise. And my buddy comes out, this, this one old guy with a white ponytail and a headlock and just beating his face. And so then the whole bar kind of like roadhouse kind of just erupts and there's fights everywhere and everything. So I grab, you know, we're fighting and, and just like I grabbed the guy and I fed him his lunch a couple couple times and it just like kind of like the dust settles right like out of a movie scene we go outside and and um that was kind of the end of that story so then fast forward a couple years later i uh those same buddies that i was that i was with that night of the the bar fight i was like hey you should come to my uh my sister's um you know my sister's wedding social you know we got good music you know we're having a good time it's just like ah like I don't think that's a good idea. Is this like, it's like, why? What's the problem? It's like, well, you know, he ended up telling me, is this like, well, don't you remember that night we're at the bar? Like, that's like your future brother-in-law and his brother and his dad. That's who we beat the piss out of. Like that night. At the bar. And I was just like, oh my God, it, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I looked at it, I was just like, yeah. So I went up to my, my my sister's husband and I, I was like I didn't know this until like years later that you were the guys that we we beat the tar out of at the at the bar there and he's like oh no you guys didn't you guys didn't get all of us like I beat up yeah know, right you know, I was just, <laughs> right so of course of course he's got to relive it and be like no 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 that's not the way yeah, I want. <laughs> yeah it was just like a bunch of honkies came into town and this all filled up and the, you know the the, the 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 town kids are at the bar and they're usually there's usually trouble to be had when that happens so that was that was kind of the story about that so good so good yeah. i'll um it's it's amazing how many stories i have from you uh in just a short you know you played here three years and uh but you've always been so generous with your time with us uh always and we really appreciate that and i i, I tell people frequently um one of the greatest things i've ever seen was when we were in houston and i was on the bus going to practice rank and uh you came across the street from the from the department store and there was a there was a lot of homeless people outside the hotel and you came back and, and gave somebody a brand new blanket that you had bought across the street at the department store. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen uh, still to this day. Um, and I guess all of that, uh, I guess, is a way of saying you're a good man. And uh, we really appreciate your time and, and, and all of that uh, doing this and, and so many other things. 
so thank you. Um, but I, we, Charlie and I like to ask people when we close these down, uh, when you think of Milwaukee, what comes to mind? What do you think of? I just, Milwaukee's such a, such a good energy there. There's just a lot of love in Milwaukee. It's, it's, uh, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people say this before, you know, it's like a big city, but it's got a small town feeling to it. Um, it's special to me because people like you in the office that have so much passion for, for a game that means so much to us as, you know, all our lives and, um, Milwaukee is just, it feels like home and that's why I've, I've been trying to make more of a an effort to get back and, and visit because you know I, I, I still have you know a lot of great friends you know that live in Milwaukee and it's always going to hold a special spot in my heart with it and uh, you know I played I had some of my best hockey memories there I played some of my, my best hockey as a professional uh, you know in Adderall's jerseys so uh um, I definitely have a lifetime of, uh, of stories, you know, that we can maybe hopefully tell again another day, but, uh, yeah, I have nothing, uh, you know, I know I'm living in Grand Rapids and, but, uh, you know, I, but, uh, definitely I, my, there's a special spot in my heart for Milwaukee and there always will be. Yeah. Well, it can be a one, a one B thing. We got no problem. Yeah. <laughs> no problem Absolutely. There's obviously special times in Grand Rapids too. Um, Tristan, awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, stay well, the best to your family. And uh, man, we hope to see you when we come to Grand Rapids. Hopefully we'll see you uh, in, in the very near future. Absolutely. I look forward to that. I'll make sure I'll see you guys. Sounds great. Charlie, All anything right. else? No, that's it. I just appreciate right. your time, uh, Tristan. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll definitely do this again because there's more than there's more stories from, uh, you know, even though this is an hour and 15 minutes long, I know yeah. you got a lot more stories. All right. Take care, guys. Uh, thank you. That's uh, Tristan Graff. Thanks so much for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.